Looking for hope? Searching for peace? Seeking guidance? In need of confirmation? You've found Safe Space, where desires collide with destiny, purpose meets passion, hearts are unpacked, and vulnerability becomes a necessity. This is Your Safe Space with Pastor Denise Scott-Williams. Let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome into Safe Space. This is your prophetic purpose pusher, Pastor D. Wow, we have been served some great delicacies. We have been talking about love and marriage and the different dimensions, the different aspect of marriage and the path that different couples' lives take The thing I love about safe space is that when wife and husbands get to the table, their stories are so fascinating. Their stories are so multifaceted. Their stories are so beautiful. Their stories are filled with just different turns and different aspects that you would never think. Yet God is at work. God works through all of the stories. God works through our stories to will and to do of his good pleasure. And the thing about marriage is that marriage was instituted by God. So in Genesis, God presented the woman to the man and called her wife. And so we have the first experience, exposure of what married is like in the garden, then the fall. The institution of marriage came out of God. The institution of marriage is not culturally bound. It's for all humanity that desires that. And so we're going to continue our conversations And I'm going to let our guest, they're no longer guests, they're family now. After you've come to the table one time, you know, we just drop all the titles, the you know, and we just talk. And my hope is this, that in us talking at the table, lives can be impacted. Something will be said that will provoke someone to get up and do it again. What happens if you get married and it didn't work out? Do you stay there and die? Do you curse God and die? Do you curse marriage? Or do you get back in the game of life and do it again? What if it didn't work the first time? What if your hopes and dreams was wrapped up in one person? And the person says, you know what? I don't want this. What do you do? What do you do when you're loving and the other spouse is not loving? What do you do when you want it to work and the other person decides that, you know what? Uh, I don't want this. What do you do? Do you suffer in silence? Do you bear the pain? Do you bear the shame? What do you do? Or do you say, okay, you know what? I was married. Now I'm single. And there are so many different aspects of marriage that I can do this again. And that all is not lost because one person decided or two people decided that communication is gone. Love is gone. So today we're going to continue our conversation, and I have been loving it because I thought I knew the story, but then it took a different path. So my guest to the left, I'm going to allow you to pull up and just talk to the audience. Go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Carol Brooks again. Um, This is number two. So we left off where... We planned our wedding. It took three days to plan that wedding. Three days to plan 
the wedding. So let's just catch up. So you, Mrs. Brooks, um, you fascinate me. You inspire me in the sense that from day one, after love was lost, some abusive stuff in some relationships, children came as a result. You adopted two children and your arms are filled with children, four. And so now you have four children, two by adoption and two by birth. And marriage didn't work, abusive relationship. You protected your children, protected your heart. And now you met this chocolate man on what? Blackpeoplemeet.com. Blackpeoplemeet.com. And you said that you knew for sure that this was the man in your dreams this was a man of your dreams, and this is a man that you wanted to share your dreams with. Correct. Yet it took how long? 17 years. Seven. No, no not 17. I'm sorry. Okay. Mr. Brooks so like is like... Seven years. About seven. Yeah, seven years. Seven years. So Mr. Brooks took seven years to put the ring on it? Yeah. Okay, so Mr. Brooks took seven years to ring it. Um, we In Jamaica, we say bag it. Um, (laughs) it took seven years, but what is fascinating before we get to the three days is that you said that when you met him, you knew based on all of the information you had gathered that he would be the man that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with, no matter how that looked. And you said that you committed it to prayer. I did. And that... Your prayer, you believe God answered your prayer, even though it took seven years. Yes, he did. And the other thing is, we just want to catch up because sometimes some listeners didn't listen to the first episode. So we don't want them to just like come in the middle and not get some highlights. And so it took seven years. Um, You were bi-coastal because uh, Mr. Brooks' job... um, required that. He was a contractor and in IT, so he traveled. And uh, Mr. Brooks um, was married before also and had a son. And so you're waiting. You went to see him. Your friend was there, um, played the, 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 the investigator. Correct. And made sure that he wasn't a stalker and he was okay. And you said that he was so dynamic and so fantastic and so bombastic. Let's just throw some things in there that um, you were like, my mm, 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 good stuff. And you said, I want to be able to wake up having this stuff all the time. He was compassionate. He was thoughtful. He was gentle. He was tender. However, uh, Mr. Brooks' job required him to travel. And he's a man that when he commits, he commits. So at that time, he didn't want to, he had nothing he said to do with you. He was just in a space. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. At the time that he wanted to, his job was changing and he wasn't in that place. But when he moved to North Carolina, hello, Carolinians. Um, When he moved to North Carolina and moving with you, and you had children. And I asked you that question on our previous episode. What was the um, reaction with the children? Um, so we're going to get into all that. We're going to get into the three days of marriage and the blended family. Now we're coming together. Now, uh, Mrs. Brooks have made up her mind. This is a man she wants. No matter what, she's going to pray. God is going to answer her prayer. She don't try it. She want to buy it. And she like what she is on the shelf, right? Can we say that? Correct. And she's like, look, I, I, I like what I've had and I want to keep it. So talk to me, Mrs. Brooks, about um, the proposal. You were in bed. He got on his knees <clears throat> and he proposed in bed. Correct. Okay, go ahead and talk to me about that. Um, so... We were, well, he was on the opposite side of the bed and he was just sitting there talking and I was at the head of the bed talking as well. And then he came around and he asked the question and I looked at him and I'm like, yes, 
Man, so, I waited seven years. What do you mean? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was, like, put the ring on it. <laughs> so it was a shock, a shocker as well. Okay. Um, How was it a shock when you waited seven years? Because I didn't expect it. That day? I didn't. I I got into the mindset of just waiting, waiting this process out to see where it's going to go. I didn't expect that question so early Okay. of, us, of him being there. So um, when he made the proposal, I accepted and we slept on it and got up the early morning because I thought that, you know, let's see what today is going to be now, if it's going to continue through. So as I was making the breakfast, he had got the computer and went online and then we started doing the online application for the marriage certificate. Okay, so morning comes. Yes. And you were like, um, let me see how this is going to play out. Um, I don't waited all this time. He's proposed, but it's nighttime. Is this a dream or is this real? But he initiated. And Mr. Brooks, you can jump in. You initiated. You got on yes. the computer. You made up your mind now like, okay, I am no longer traveling for my job it, per se. I'm living with this woman and she is a beauty. I'm living with this woman. You got like the cream of the crop, right? When you went into the garden, you kind of picked out a rose and you waited so long. I'm glad that the rose still had fragrance and was waiting for you because at times in life, you know, there are women that won't wait. You know, there are women or men that won't wait. And seven years is a long time. I mean, seven years, I could, you could have gotten your PhD. Seven years, you could do a whole lot of stuff. So you, Mr. Brooks, come in in the conversation and you got up in the morning and got on the computer. Yes, I did. <clears throat> uh, let me first say that in that seven years, uh, if you recall, I was living in Phoenix, Arizona, and Carol had always been living here uh, in the Carolinas in Charlotte. So... Neither one of us ever really wanted a long-distance relationship. And being the man, there was a certain way I wanted to go about it. I wanted to go out and conquer the world. I wanted to get my money right. I wanted to get the home. And for me in general, I wanted to present a counsel to her to bring her into it and say, okay, I would like for this to be our home. Now, it did not go that way, but uh, at the end of uh, in, in, in the seven years, we visited each other back and forth. So that's how I got to know the kids. Um, several, you know, trips to North Carolina. But they got to know me. I got to know them a bit. And when I did finally relocate here uh, with the full intent of us, you know, getting together and uh, going forward with this, uh, that evening when I proposed to her, that Thursday evening after work, and she said yes, uh, we were both excited, believe it or not. I, I, I was excited as if she had asked me. So, <laughs> 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 so uh, the next day, like she said, we got on. The, I got on the computer. We started looking at uh, legally what we need to do with licenses, with certificates. We started. Okay, who's going to do the uh, officiating? Okay, we have to get. On, we have to find what are we going to wear. Uh, and if I may advance that a little bit further, that was Friday. So we took care of everything legally we needed to that Friday. We actually got up, went, well, we say uptown now, downtown, uptown, same place, <laughs> to, uh, to the city, to the county. We got the uh, paperwork we needed. We found uh, she has a coworker that was also a pastor. He did the officiating. Uh, she went online. She found her address. And I bought me a tuxedo shirt, and I wore it with the suit and a bow tie. So didn't have to go out and really spend a lot of money, so to speak. Saturday, we finally found a, a, a venue, which was at uh, Ballantyne, and they told us that if we did it indoors, it was going to charge us an enormous amount of money. But if anyone here has ever been to Ballantyne Resort, the outdoors is just nice. That if we did it outside, they would charge us nothing. So we did it outside. Uh, you know, overview of the golf course, friends were there. This is Saturday. <clears throat> Sunday was the, uh, the big day that we walked down the aisle. Uh, we weren't really trying to have a large wedding. We knew we wanted to be together. This was neither one of our first time, and we just wanted to be together to do that. And like I said, there may have been a total of 10 people there in the courtyard with us. Including you know, the kids. Including, uh, were the kids there? No, the kids, no, weren't, the kids there. weren't there. The kids weren't there. Okay, where were the kids? So, Carol, I mean, where were the kids? At home. Okay, how old were they when um, you were proposed to? Um, how old was Carl? I know Kyle was about 10. Grade school, grade Carl school, was about 14. School, yeah. 
But because it was such a quick thing. Okay. And mm-hmm. then we'll have to buy them clothing and things like that. So we just decided it was just. How did they feel about that? Because, I mean, 14 people. has opinions. Well, I did speak to them about it. Yes. Um, but they were okay. They're okay. Yeah, because what we did explain to them is that later on we're going to be doing something much bigger that they will participate in, which they did at the time right. when we did it. Okay. So um, uh-huh. it was only six of us. And we had brunch Okay. at the gallery. Um, yeah, I know the gallery. Like, I'm familiar with That's my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, it was just a, a very small... Um, Intimate gallery. Yes. Right. And so um, after waiting seven years... And the Ballantine is actually such a beautiful facility. Um, all uh, it's have changed over the years, but such a beautiful facility, especially overlooking the balconies and stuff like that, the staircases, right. all that. And so now that you got proposed to in three days, I mean, Jesus got up in three days. I um, mean, oh three days, you um, mean, got a ring. You waited seven years. You... Um, got proposed to, and you got married in three days, and now you are Mrs. Brooks. Brooks. And you're at the Ballantine. How surreal was that? It was awesome. I mean, it was disbelievable, but it was real. Okay, so you were in shock. I mean, you love Mr. Brooks. I mean, I wonder what you got going on over there. I mean, because... I'm lovable. He, he's a beautiful person. <laughs> he's actually a beautiful person. Oh. I never feel like I'm in anything alone. It's always us. Wow. Against the world. Y'all rehearsed these answers? No. When you, you know, you, y'all went home and, and, and did Jeopardy and re- rehearsed this or, you know. No, this is something we say okay. to each other all the time. Okay. Day, no matter what, me and you against the world. Oh, yeah. Okay. We show that. One love. One life. One life. Okay. All right. And this was not rehearsed. These church people got <laughs> tattoos up in here. Up in safe space. One love. One Gosh. life. One life. <laughs> We're doing some stuff in here. Oh, I'm here, shucks. I, oh, if my if I ever told my husband I was tattered up, oh Lord, at the cross, at the cross where we first found the lamb. It's it's his first. Um, it's first. Last, love will make tattoo. you do. Love will make you do all kind of stuff. And I only did it for her because it hurt like you know what. <laughs> Like like Hades. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't been there and don't plan to go there, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> and this is and this is considered a very sensitive part of, of body, the, the, the nerve because it's, it's tender skin right the there. Bone. And then I had to go back a couple of three weeks later and go over it again because it kind of faded out. Yeah. And me being a chocolate brother, as you yeah, say. Yeah, chocolate, chocolate. It's a little harder to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you didn't put no color in it. No. No, you didn't and want she, And she wanted to go back and maybe have like a, a crown put on it. Initially, it was supposed to have a crown. So, so. I said, no, I can't endure that. I, 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 I'm, hey, I'm staying in my lane. I'm being honest. No, 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 no. I can't do it. I love you, boo, but. <laughs> my God. So now you guys are married. You guys decided to get a, a tattoo on your wrist that um, for you is something private, something personal, and something that is a reminder of what your love, uh, one love, you know, that represents. So this was about three years ago. So every year of our anniversary, we take it very seriously. We celebrate. Okay, talk to me. So So before we get to the uh anniversary, we didn't, did we do a honeymoon? No. Not right away, no. Okay, so we got married. We went to the Valentine. We did it local. We didn't spend much money. We are being frugal. Are we frugal? Are we frugal? You Jamaican, you shouldn't be frugal. Are we frugal? Not necessarily. We are practical. Practical. Would probably be a better word for it. Practical. So we, like I say, we wanted to be married. We weren't trying to impress anyone or, you know, make a big impression. We just wanted to do this, get married. Be together. I mean, y'all living together, so why do a big thing, you know? know? And that was only three months, you know, from moving into marriage. That was only three months, maybe four at the most. But like I say, when I relocated here, again, it was with the, you know, commitment in mind, intention. Yes. That we knew we we wanted to be together. So we wanted to do, you know, uh, uh, 
everything right, so to speak, or as right as possible. Let me you ask know? you a question. Okay, so no, so you guys um, did Valentine, then you go home, and then because. Yes, you we wanted to home. say something. <laughs> no, we didn't go home. Okay, I, so, I, okay, because the, there's some blanks in here. No, so y'all didn't go home. We did not go home. So we had dinner with mm-hmm. our friends, and I wanted to salivate in the gown. So we went downtown. I mean, I was downtown walking in my gown wow. in my veil. And we saw the carriage ride. We did that as well. Go ahead, paint that picture for me. Yeah, we did the carriage ride. Um, We took a lot of pictures. And after that... People were saying congratulations to us as we was riding on the carriage. Yes. Because we were still in our wedding garb. Yes. And and later on, when we went back to the house, we still wasn't ready to take it off. So we decided to go out to a club. Okay. Y'all church people. Y'all club? So no, no I'm just asking because people need to know this. Not now, okay, not, not now. now. You, you, we, you guys, we okay. were celebrating just okay. like as if you would have a reception. Yeah. Right? So we went there. It was Sunday, and um, we told them that we had just got married, and okay. I mean they could see that because I was yeah. wearing my gown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they decided to play um, a first dance music for us, and we hit the dance floor by ourselves and they did that for us well that's good thank you for Mm -hmm. putting in that blank because again at safe space we are what we're doing is painting a picture because Mm -hmm. the viewers or the listeners don't know the blanks and when we are helping because we're all believers in here right and so what happened is different people um use their relationship or the way they have a relationship with god looks different so people need to hear these things, need to hear the stories. And so when when the questions are being asked is to see how you see in light of your relationship as a, 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 a person of faith, a person that serves God, believe God. I mean, there's no wrongness, rightness when it's right with you. I mean, and so that's why I'm asking, like paint the picture, because if we're encouraging people, then people need to know, okay, there's no bad, 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 bad. Um, good, 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 good. It's your story. And the right. way you tell your story is your life. We're just listening to the audible of parts of your story. And so you were reveling, you were soaking in, you because you had waited and you had wanted to be married. So I can understand you wanting to just spend that entire celebrate that day and and celebratory day. And, and so you guys went downtown. I'm carriage ride. I'm not a carriage ride person, you know, in terms, I did it one time. Uh, I won't go there. I mean, those horses were, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I didn't care, but I can imagine the pictures that you guys took, how beautiful it is. So now you guys did that day, reveled in that day, had your first dance and and move all about and now you're home and now normalcy sets in the four kids were still home your son is not living with you no, no go no, ahead the four kids weren't still home okay two were the two girls that i adopted they had grown up and moved out they were in the military okay so now we're at home with two kids two kids that's your son and my daughter and your daughter now this is a boy right mm-hmm. and he have jamaican heritage with him I know he was not like, ding dong, ring the bell. It's Christmas time, ring the bell. I have a daddy and come home. How did he, as a man child, um, receive that mommy? I don't have mommy um, with me, for me, because as a Caribbean parent, I can imagine you being a overprotective, you doing everything, cooking all that good food. I mean, they coming in your bed, doing all kind of stuff and you loving and all this. Now there is, you see, but when you're not married, this is what I want people to know that it's something about the vow. Stain is, we're cool. We're all right, right? Stain. But when you make it official, it's like a devil rises up and says, okay, this is too normal. This is forever. We've got to mess this up. So talk to me on the real. This is safe space. So tell me how your son reacted. I'm not talking about disrespect or whatever. I'm saying how did he receive if you want to indulge? My son was a, 
a mommy's boy, as you would say. Mm -hmm. And um, it was very hard for him. Yes. The adjustment. Because he have always felt like he was the, I used to say to him, oh, God, you're the man of the house. Because he's the only boy. So the adjustment for him with that father figure coming in was kind of hard. Of course. It was very hard. And um, there were times throughout the years as he was home before he went off to college that I feared that the relationship between both of them would be fractured. Yes. Okay. I mean, look, I mean, I, th I think I went to school for a minute for counseling and chaplaincy and pastoral. So when it comes to blended family, rarely do you have where everybody just like, okay, this is, you know, so there is going to be some difficulties. And I want you to encourage people as you've been divorced before, but you found love and you guys love one another. So there's hope and we're giving people hope. But then there is the, the, the issue with the blend. How do we put the sugar in the blend? How do we navigate? Now you have the man that you love. You got your only son that you love. And now there is conflict in the home. Yes. <clears throat> So eventually we had to get him counseling. Okay. And um, we went as a family. And um, I think that kind of helped a bit. So um, things started getting a little better once he went off to college. Now he's not at home. So they started to get very close and the relationship started to change because now he's more mature and he's understanding and um, that mommy's happy. Exactly. And exactly. And that was his words. And Daryl as well, playing the father figure to him, um, you know, giving him that man talk, going off to college and stuff like that. So now he they have a very good relationship now. And that's good because yeah. it relationships doesn't just you wake up. and You have a perfect relationship and he has a father. And so here you are, you know, we, we call it. And um, we don't need no other uncles uh, that we're not related to. You know, in, in, in our culture, we're like, okay, who is this? And so the daughters are okay because mommy's happy. Is that yes. correct? <clears throat> My daughter, she has so much respect for Daryl. Um, um, she loves him. Whenever she gives him Father's Day gifts. And she loves her dad as well. But she always says she has two fathers, right? And so... In making a comparison with relationships for her now, she's 25. If she feels like the guy is a good guy, you know, with all the traits, she's looking for guys that has Daryl's traits. And um, if she sees something negative, she compares that to her dad. So that's what I'm noticing that she does. Wow. So, Daryl, let me just bring you um, back in the conversation. Well, thank you. Um Oh, you're welcome. So um, here you are. You're married to the woman of your dreams, a beauty. And um, and now you're home and you have a son in the home that is having some difficulties in the adjustment. How was what was your emotion like when you were being challenged in the newness of now you have your bride but now you have someone that, for lack of a better word, you moved in in his territory because he's the man of the house. Um, so, you know, he doesn't have the capacity at the time to say, you're trying to take my place and my space. How did you um, overcome the challenges that it presented? It took time. It did. And I think above that, it took Carol and I uh, talking about it. Uh, she would express to me, you know, things that he would come and express to her uh, about how he was feeling. We would talk about it and what may be the best way to address that. And I always try to be clear that I'm not trying to replace their father. You know, I am their stepfather and I will, you know, do my best to fulfill that role. And as you said, there were some challenges. There were some difficulties. There was some, you know, contentions. And having, uh, as Carol said, been the man of the house, it was it was it was a little hard for him, you know. And and, and as she said, you know, he, he he was a mama's boy, so 
to be, to some degree, I want to say, I don't know, cut off, for lack of a better word, or uh, maybe there's less attention being given to him now because there's someone new in the house that is trying to acclimate into the family, you know, and find that role. And uh, like I say, we are uh, a blended family now. Uh, it, 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 it was a bit challenging. It was. But I, Carol said it correctly that once he got older, went off to college, and started living on his own, he matured rather quickly. There were some things that he said and that he did, I think that we were both uh, we were both surprised by. And we were like, wow, he, going off to college, has really matured him a bit. So, And I've seen that on a continuous basis, I'll put it that way. And we are in a, a lot better space today than we were just, say, uh, seven, eight, nine, uh, ten years ago. I, w- I would do anything for him. Uh, uh, the the daughter, she is my heart to the moon and back. She's the daughter I never had. My son uh, uh, is an adult. My son's 41 years old, so I didn't need to bring him to North Carolina to live with us. Of course. And uh, I have a niece named Ornita, which is my late sister's only daughter. And for all those years, she had been the daughter that I never had. Then when Carol and I got together, Cara shared that space. She didn't replace it. She shared that space with Arnita. So now I have two young loves of my heart, you know. And I try to be the best man that I can be, the best husband, the best father, the best stepfather, the best everything that I could be, you know, in all of their lives, trying to contribute, you know, to their lives to make it easier. Because I think a man should make a woman's life easier. She, she, she shouldn't make it harder. Say that again. A man should compliment a woman. He should make her life easier. He should. He should try to bear as much of her load as he can. Because as men, we were designed to work. Sila. And the woman was, the Bible said the woman was what? The helpmate. I've never believed. Now you're preaching. I was wondering where the preacher was. I I mean, it took two episodes to bring the preacher. Preach on, preacher. And these are premises that I've held for a long time. I've, I've never believed that a woman was meant to work all her life, you know, especially if she has a man in her life, a husband. Uh, I'm working very hard. I would love to give my wife the option to retire soon. Okay. There are some things that have to be put in place first, but with the, the endeavors that I have in mind, I want to replace her income, give her the option to, to retire, did you say uh, give her the option? Give her the option. If she I wanted, love options. It, it, it's up to her. You got a man over there. Okay. Because she had that option well, before, and she went to back to work. <laughs> I worked for a company for 24 years. They offered me a volunteer retirement package, and he's like, take it. Yeah. So I took it. I got us. But I couldn't stay home. No, she couldn't. I just had to go and do something. Macy's was calling her. <laughs> but, no, I just, I mean, most of my yeah. life, you I've worked. been working a single parent working and taking care of my kids, it, it was just hard to relinquish that. Don't have anything to do throughout the days. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I need to do something. And you would be so surprised what I got up and did. What did you do? I won't be surprised. You're Jamaican. But you did. Uber. You did what? Yeah, I am surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I did it for more the corporate Okay. Like CEOs and stuff like that. That's going to the airport or things. Yes. So, but I am happy that I did it because it allowed me to get out of the closed space that I was in for all these years. Okay. And to be able to communicate and listen to different people's stories. I mean, I learned a lot. How did you feel, Uh, Mr. Brooks? You the man, you want to provide um, things are coming together, some challenges, as in any marriages, navigating a blended family. You know, you you have two, your, your late sister's um, daughter and your son, and Carol has four, some gone off to college. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it's a blended family. But you have a mindset that a man should take the load, the burden off of the woman because she's a helpmate. Carol worked for right. a company for 24 years. She is independent. She's fiercely independent. She knows what she wants because from the first day she saw you, she knew what she wanted. She even went ahead and said she, when y- y'all 
got in the bed, she said, that was some good loving. That's what she said. That's her words, not my words. And I'm just putting it out there. So she was like, she knew what she wanted and she was going to have what she wanted. Now, 24 years of working, you give her the option. She have the buyout, but she's like, I don't want to stay home. How did you navigate that? I wasn't very comfortable with her going out and doing over. Uh, like you, I was surprised. So, but it was something that she wanted to do. So what am I going to really I do? I wish my husband was here to you see know? how independent you would let, let Carol be. Maybe he could let me be as independent. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ain't going to happen, but so, I like the story well, anyways. So, <laughs> I, and I, I supported her. Now, yes. uh, there was, um, there's a part of that that uh, uh, you may find interesting also. Uh, doing over, it's all t- it's calls all, all, all time of the day and night. Uh, at that particular time, when she retired, she took a portion of that money and she bought me a motorcycle. So I've I've been riding since. Wait a minute! Since wait a minute! Wait, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I'm going somewhere with that in relation to her doing Uber. Okay, wait a minute. So you bought your man, uh what a Suzuki? Yes. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's in my dreams too. So it was in my dreams. My yep. husband told me my ship passed, mm-hmm. and so you <laughs> bought your man a motorcycle, and you were like, I'm giving you this, and I'm going to go corporate Uber. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let me continue. If I yes, may. go ahead. Go so ahead. She, bought, she, she, I've always loved riding, so she did that. You know, just you know, for me because you know, I want to do something nice for my husband, and she did that. There were times on Friday, Saturday nights that she would be doing Uber, going to certain places, and she would tell me about this. So what I would do sometimes is ride behind her as her security. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, you did. I was, wait, wait. (laughs) One client. Are you ready for that? (laughs) No, I wasn't. I mean, I told you all the bags of surprise. One client saw that and felt uncomfortable and reported it. So how did he know he saw somebody? He kept looking behind. And saw somebody following a motorcycle. So every turn, stalker, stalker. It was nighttime. And Uh, he called his wife and let her know. That there's somebody following. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he reported it to Uber. And then when she got to her, he got to the destination, she came outside, you know. It was a white couple, so. uh, And Carol said that when he got in the car, he never said anything to her. He was just rude. Didn't say hi, hello, yeah. how you doing, anything. I've so, so I'm so happy I did it. Yeah. I really am. I so, get to see different perspectives. As part of a result of that, she saw that he saw me back there, but she said, I'm not going to tell him anything. I'm not going to tell him. That's my husband. He's following me. So scared. She's going to let him ride in discomfort because of his rudeness. So, and it, it was, it was a, I wasn't aware of this until after, you know, when she told me about it. It was late at night. It was late at night. We got there, and she came out, you know, in a little whatever she had on looking, you know, what is she going to really do unless she's, you know, armed herself? So she let him out, and I don't know if there was any, you know, I don't know if he said anything to you, you know, thank you, who was that, or, or if he ran in the house or whatever. But I thought it was funny myself. And sometimes I would just do that. I would ride behind her as her security. I didn't do it all the time, but uh, I, I enjoyed doing that. I did. I didn't do it for long. But I'll no. say this much. When I when I get up in the mornings <clears throat> to go, I'm always dressed as if I was going to work. Okay. Yeah. So you were doing you were dressing like you were going to work. So the first time your husband, you got wind that your husband was on the motorcycle, being your security. Now it's a fancy word of saying stalking you. <laughs> no, following you, being your security. Let's be proper before Mr. Brooks reach over the table and touch it. <laughs> I, I used to look forward to Saturday nights because everybody's out, yes. right? Yes. And I'm just, it's, it's, it was just so amazing that these people that's so corporately dressed and so professional like come down to hurt. Yes. And I was amazed at the the things that they were doing. They were like drunk within an hour. They get off work, and I'm like, "Wow!" Letting it all hang out. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just, I'm like seeing that. It, it, it was weird. So, so you did that, and so was that like a? Um, were you glad about your husband at times being your security? Yeah. Oh, so you enjoy yeah, because, that? I mean, 
You don't know who you pick up, to be honest. Okay. How long did you do this cab service? Oh, man. Um, I would say... A few months. A few months. Okay, yeah. it didn't last long. No, no, no. It was just something to do. And after that, I went to work with a limousine company um, mm-hmm. for about, what, four, four months? Yeah. Okay, so you were moving now, doing things. You were in corporate. You were behind the desk. You're corporate. You're proper. You're, you're, you're crunching the numbers. You're doing that. Now you get out there driving corporate people, hearing their stories. And then that didn't work. Then you got to a limousine company. So now this is upscale. And what happened? I stood there for, they were actually new. Okay. And I stood there for about four months. And um, after that, I told Daryl, I think I'm ready to go back into the corporate world. Okay. I just couldn't stop working. Okay. And um, that's how I am. I ended up at the company where I am now, which is LPL Financial. We know that company too. We have some of our um, people work over yeah. there. Mm-hmm. I ain't giving them no shout out because they're not paying no sponsorship, but no some fair. of our, um, so, so now you're, you're back in the corporate world and you're okay with your wife, but your goal is to retire her again. Yes, it is. And a year, about a year after she started working at LPL, I started working at LPL and that was a coincidence. Uh, I was still contracting at the time and they found my resume online or whatever, called me up, and I was surprised and did the interview and ended up, you know, coming on board, staying there for a while. Uh, I'm at a point now I'm trying to create stability, okay? I still want this for her to retire her, but in the meantime, I need financial stability. So that's what I'm seeking right now. And with each move that I make in the corporate world, I try to let that let one be a stepping stone for the next one. Okay. okay. So, uh, but I've I I know for a fact unless you're in sales or something, you're not going to get rich working. You know. So, and I work for so many different companies, whether they're contract or in the corporate world, that I say, okay, I need something different. So, as a result of that, you know, the business that you know John is into, I'm into also. Okay. So this is this is part of my mandate for doing that. But uh, I still feel that way. I've always felt that way. I want to give her the best life possible. I want to be the best man to her that a man can be to a woman. And I told her from the day that we got married, I want to earn your yes every day. Wow. Every day, day, I'm going for husband of the year. Every day. My God. How is he 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 doing? He is. He's doing good? He's he's keeping up to his commitment. He's keeping his good. Now that we're segued, so now you've heard... Daryl, and I know you guys have had conversation. Now, you told me earlier that mom is in the picture. You, Mom is in a different stage in her life. So now mom has to be moved into the home. So now you're in a different stage. Does retirement comes into mind now that you are the main caretaker for mom as mom is aging? No, because <clears throat> I work from home. And um, it's a little bit much easier than if I was in the office. If I were in the office, then I would consider it. But I work from home. Um, she's living with us now. It's going almost three months. Um, it's a bit challenging while working as well to attend to her. But um, I have a routine now. Okay. Yeah. How has that affected? I know that's a sensitive topic. And because mom is mom. And um, so mom is um, getting older, um, need assistance in, in, in um, health challenges and stuff. And you're watching that decline. Has that um, strengthened your marriage? And how is that? Um, does it play a part in um, your husband is working on husband of the year? Mom is in the space. Mom needs constant care. Mom needs constant attention. You're working. Your husband is working paint a picture to the listeners about when life starts to happen, children are gone, but yet still, you still have to now make a decision that you need to take care of mom. How is that looking in marriage? Daryl has always been very supportive. And like I said, he doesn't leave me to do anything on my own. Daryl made the suggestion to move mom in before I even thought of it. Um, 
you know, I love my mom and everything, but we did have our own differences. And he's like, honey, at some point, she has nowhere else to go. You're going to have to, she's going to have to come and live with us. So he made that process so much easier for me. That's amazing. Because not many, not many men would want to have that change because now we were always spontaneous. Get up, let's go. Let's take a ride on this Sunday. Let's go down to Charleston, do this, do that. I can't do that anymore because now I have to attend to her. I can't leave her alone like that. So with his help and his support, he helps me a lot with mom. Sometimes he's like, when she rings the bell, he's like, okay, honey, you just relax. Let me take care of it. Daryl, new term, chime in. So your mother-in-law is um, aging and you've encouraged that. I mean, kudos to you. My hat's off to you. Take my hat off to you because that takes adjustment. That takes not being selfish. That takes making room. And it's easier said than done. Making room in our lives sometimes are the hardest things. So I have two major questions for you guys. So the first thing is you um, you led the conversation. You encouraged um, your wife to say, look, it's time for us to bring mom in our home. And so that we can both, I can help you, assist you. And I've heard your wife said over and over, you are a team player. So talk to me about the decision of allowing mom to be in you guys' space. Sure. <clears throat> the previous routine we had is after work every day, uh, or uh, it got to the point of being every other day, we would get off, we would go over to mom's apartment, look in on her, you know, do what needs to do, wash the dishes, make the bed, do whatever maintenance needs to be done, look after her, run to the store, do whatever we need to do. And having that waiting for you at the end of your work day, it can become a bit stressful. You know, you we worked hard at work. Now you've got to get off work, drive through traffic, you know, to go see about mom. And we knew one day it was going to come to the point where she just couldn't be on her own. So uh, I let Carol know that I was definitely open to that, you know, by expressing that to her, that if you wanted to move her in, or if we decided we want to move her in, I'm okay with that. So we get to the point where that actually comes to fruition. She's moved in now. It's a bit easier because all we have to do is walk 10 feet from, you know, her desk to, you know, the guest bedroom where mom lives now. And that's easier than, you know, having to pack up and drive, you know, uh, a few miles, you know, up the street just to go see about her and then come back. But Carol works from home 100% of the time. At that time, I was doing what's called a 3-2. Three days in the office, two at home. Uh, about a month or so ago, I had a conversation with my manager saying that, you know, I let him know, hey, we've moved our mother-in-law into it, and it's a lot for one person, and that I want to definitely be there to help my wife. I would like to just work from home on a permanent basis, five days a week, if that's possible. And without hesitation, they said, absolutely. Because I work for Honeywell, and they, they say this all the time, family first. And with my management, with my coworkers, you know, they come in, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm having a family situation, no matter what it is. It's never a problem. Family first. Go see about your family. You need some days off, some times off. There's never a hesitation with that. And I think this is the first company I've ever worked for that has been, you know, uh, uh, been like that. You know, it's best to been open, upfront, and honest about it. They'll say it, but they actually practice it. I can, so I can appreciate that. So having that flexibility I'm glad that I can be there, you know, for mom and for Carol, because it's a lot on one person. You know, she's sitting there, she's trying to work, she has a workload. I work upstairs, my office is upstairs, but when she rings that bell, I can hear it. I said, I'll tell her, darling, I got to just sit there, relax. Or if she wants to get out of the house sometime, just whether she needs to or just wants to, go. I got mom 100%. I can make her something to eat. I can help her with her medication. I know, you know, I can fix her hot water for her tea or cold water for her cold water. Whatever she needs, I, it's enough of a routine that I know it now. And so when, when Carol is not there, if you want to go to South Park Mall and shop till you drop, you know, I got her and I got you. So, again, it's, it's always my intention to make her load lighter, you know, in as much as possible and wherever possible. That's so. good. Thank you for sharing that. That's because I know that when we have delicate situations and things that pulls on our heartstrings, it's not necessarily easy to publicly talk about. So thank you for sharing that sacred part. The final thing that I wanted to ask, the most important, 
I know you, you both the Brooks are people of faith. How does God, how does your faith, how do you guys worship together? Do you guys have devotional time for your marriage to seem like the communication is beautiful, that the, the thoughtfulness is there, the compassion is there, the care is there, both people working towards um, making sure life is easier for both of you guys. I mean, you bought him a motorcycle and you are the husband of the year that you've endeavored to work on. And Carol has, has said that you're doing a fantastic job. That takes work. Um, and that's why I want you guys to to, to to speak on these things because married before, divorced, children before, and um, children coming in marriage, some static, some difficulties, but together you guys look beautiful, do beautiful. How does faith, how does your worship, do you guys go to church regularly or is your home your worship sanctuary um, prior to ma'am, how to mom, how does your faith, because we are all believers, everyone that I have interviewed are believers. How is your faith, Carol? So I love to pray. Carol and I, um, before mom came and before COVID, we were always going to church on a Sunday. Um, during COVID, we started doing it at home. And so we have visited a couple of churches since COVID kind of calmed down. But for the most part, we worship Sundays at home. Um, we pray a lot. And um, we're believers. And we try to do the right thing at all times. Amen. And you, sir? Uh, I concur with everything that she says. You know, we love playing gospel music in the house. You know, Alexa played gospel music, so she hear that all the time. And we, and it's amazing how that can just penetrate your soul throughout the day while you're working, whether you're thinking about life, thinking about the world, or thinking about nothing. Uh, we read the Bibles together. We need, we need There's definitely room for us to uh, do that more. Uh, we love uh, listening. If we're not in church, you know, listening to uh, particular pastors on a Sunday morning. Uh, uh, I like... Uh, uh, my former pastor up in uh, Glen Arden, Maryland, Pastor John Jenkins, uh, for some reason, uh, First Baptist of Glen Arden up in Maryland. Uh, I lived up in the D.C. Maryland area for about two or three years. I was actually joined the church and was a member. And I actually hated to leave the D.C. area for that particular reason. So now I listen to him remotely. Uh, there are, like as she said, there was a couple of churches, you know, close to us that uh, we have visited. And we don't go every Sunday. I'm not, not going to lie and say that we do. We don't. But we are at a point that we're ready to to definitely, you know, get back to that point. Because I love being in church. I love good praise and worship. But more than more than praise and worship, I go to church for the word. If there was no band, if there was no choir, if there was nothing else, if there was no church announcements or whatever, I go to church for the word. Everything else is secondary. Praise and worship is to get you into the mood. But if there was no praise and worship, I would still I would go for the word. If there was praise and worship only and no word, I wouldn't go because that's not what I can. I can do that from home. I go to church to hear a word, to get a word. That's my sole purpose. Amen. We are, Carol was a member of, uh, what is it? Friendship, Friendship Missionary Baptist. Baptist Church on Bettis Ford Road. And we went there for, you know, uh, a while. And it was a good church, but I feel like I wasn't getting what I needed. You know, my soul wasn't being fed in the way that I needed. And I've been searching for a church since then. So I still haven't found it, but I enjoy going to church, you know, uh, uh, being being in the presence of God and doing that. So I'm still looking for that. I truly Thank am. Thank you. Thank you. Um, final thoughts. I want to, Mrs. Brooks, you are so settled. You are so sure in spite of challenges, difficulties, maneuvering on schedule stops in life. You do it so graciously. And so I want you to encourage women that are listening that might have been in an abusive situation, might have been married and divorced, might be a single parent with not by choice and wanting to find love again. I know it's a large plate, but you pick from that plate and you speak from your heart. So, you know, 
when you go through these challenges in life, it's a learning curve for you. And I learn from them. I, um, I get God involved as well. And I pray. And I know he's real because there's two things in life that I really prayed for and God granted to me. That was my daughter. She was due to be born on April 22nd. And I prayed that she was born on my birthday. And she was. And I prayed that Daryl would be my husband. And he did. So don't give up faith. Pray for what you want. He's there. He's listening. And do the right thing in life. And God will grant you that. Amen. And Mr. Brooks, there are men out there. They've been divorced. They became um, single fathers either by choice or by life circumstances. Whether it worked or didn't work, we're not finding faults. And it failed. And they might be discouraged or they might have given up on love. Talk to men out there, young guys, men out there. You choose from the plate and you encourage somebody out there. And go ahead, sir. I would say, one, you can't give up on life no matter the situation. Uh, you you want to strive to to learn, to appreciate. Uh, I think all that begins from the inside. If there is uh, an issue, I want to say that you feel like that you're struggling with. You know, you want to try to find a way to remediate that. Is it through counseling? Is it through prayer or whatever it may be? I think once that person can find their true self, I think then they can give to other, whether it's their child, whether it's a significant other. And I think from that, they can grow. They can be a stepping stone. Now that I'm healed, I feel that I can be a benefit not only to my child, but a child or to my significant other. Uh, I think life is a series of stepping stones, you know, of of growing and growing pains. And we're going to always have those. But we can't let the bad stop us because if we did, we would never be here for the good. So I would say press on no matter what. Press on no matter what. You heard it here First, a safe space that there is hope after divorce. There is love to be found if you are a single parent. That prayer works. That God answers prayers. And that even when your story doesn't take a straight line, that if you get back in the game, have faith in God. Like Carol said, do the right thing and be open to love, then love is worth finding. And their story is a testament that love is worth finding. And they have navigated divorce. They have navigated blended family. They're navigating where their um, Carol's mom is now in the home and she's sick and she's in her latter part of her years, yet still they are making the adjustments and they are loving one another and sharing love together and sharing the responsibilities together and showing up, pulling up and supporting and cheering on. And I want to encourage anybody out there that if you're divorced, then that's what you went through. You went through a divorce, but if you have been divorced, you're now single and you can mingle if that's your choice. You don't have to curse the moon, curse the sun, curse God. You don't have to give up on love. One person is not a good average, is not a good measuring stick of what love looks like if they didn't measure up to the standard. So I want to encourage you. I want to let you know that God is the one that instituted marriage. So it will never be done away with. God knows best. If we do it God's way, it will work. If we trust God implicitly, marriage works. When we get out of the way, get our egos out of the way, when we share together, when we're compassionate, when we listen, when we communicate, and when we are not leaving our partners in the fire to burn, and when we're not selfish. In marriage, self doesn't exist. In marriage, selfishness is the First thing that will cause a marriage to end. When you come together, it's two lives colliding. It's two people becoming one, one flesh, two minds, one flesh, two spirit, 
one destination and the destination is to win, is to love, is to travel together, live together, love together, raise children together and do the work of the Lord. So if you are out there, this is your prophetic purpose pusher, Pastor Denise, that tells you that if somebody's divorced, it doesn't disqualify them for being a good partner in marriage. So don't listen to society's lies that if that if somebody is divorced, that means, and you've never been married, it doesn't mean that they'll be a bad person. Now in saying that, everybody has to do their work. Whether you're single, remarried, divorced, you must do your work. Hard work, heart work is hard work. Let me say that again. Heart work is hard work. You are God's masterpiece. It's not going to take one day to write your story. A divorce is just one chapter. Blended family is just one chapter, but the sum total of your life is where God gets the glory. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And remember, don't lose hope because God is hope and God is love. Until the next time, this is Pastor D letting you know that love is worth finding and love is a good thing. Wow, how inspiring. That concludes this episode of Safe Space. We pray that something was shared that blessed your life and touched your heart. If you're like me, you can't wait for the next episode. So meet us right here at the intersection of life and hope. This is your safe space with Pastor Deep.